Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship from 4pm at North Lakes State College on the corner of Discovery Drive and Joiner Circuit. We hope you enjoy this great message from our Sunday service and come for a visit someday soon. Amen. Amen. Father, it is our joy and our privilege. Lord, it is our delight to worship you and to praise you. We do truly give you all of our praise, God. We are so grateful for every amazing gift. We're so grateful for our salvation. We are so grateful for new life. We are so grateful for our relationship with you. We are so grateful for you, Holy Spirit. We worship you and honor you and celebrate you together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, as you would be aware, uh, we are continuing today with our Pentecost series. Uh, two Sundays ago was Pentecost Sunday. It was a significant event uh, in the history of Christianity. And uh, it was an event that happened 50 days uh, directly after the resurrection of Jesus. The day of Pentecost was a day where 120 uh, faithful disciples and followers of Jesus were gathered together in an upper room. They were praying. As they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and baptized them with Holy Spirit power and tongues and, and fire. And there was tongues of fire resting upon each one of them. And it was such a significant moment in the history of the church from here, we see that they go outside and, and they start ministering to, to 3,000 people that are nearby. And, and those 3,000 people are cut to the heart and they say, what must we do in response to this great message of Jesus and salvation? And Peter, filled with boldness in the Holy Spirit, says, repent be water baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see that day that there was 3,000 more people that were filled with the Holy Spirit and born again. How exciting. From this moment in time, we see that there are roughly 3,120 Holy Spirit-filled believers that launch out. They're the called-out ones. They're the followers of Jesus. They're the ecclesia. They launch out to start the ministry of the church. They go on to radically impact the world as the hands and the feet of Jesus. Last week, uh, we were discussing the importance of the church that Acts chapter 2 uh, is effectively this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on these 3,120 people uh, was so significant as it was the birth of the church. And uh, I'll be honest with you, if you watched last week, um, truthfully, I uh, think it came out a little bit hot. Um, I was sitting in my lounge room last Sunday, enjoying church, watching church as I do every week, and I was feeling like maybe that sermon had a little bit of 
extra intensity. And so uh, I give you my promise today that we will keep it a little bit less intense. I was also aware that there was some pretty powerful light shining in my eyes, which made me had squinty eyes. And so because I had squinty eyes, I looked a bit angry. But I promise you, I wasn't angry. I was simply impassioned uh, for the church. I love the church. I love that we get to be the church. And so we discussed that the church is not a building. The church is simply people that are followers of Jesus, called out of the ways of the world, gathered together in the empowerment and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, called unto kingdom purpose. And so, you know, I am, I am so uh, blessed that we get to be included in that Um, Today, I want to continue our Pentecost series by looking at the ministry of the church. That is the mandate, the function, the, the mission, the purpose of the church. Now, keep in mind, the church is not some organization. The church is you and I. Everything that was applicable to Jesus is applicable to the church. And everything that's applicable to the church is applicable to you and I as the individual believer, together as we outwork our ministry and mandate in Christ, we make up the ministry and the mandate of the church, the body of Christ, outworking the ministry of Christ. And so the purpose of the church is got to be more than simply feel-good meetings and a good cup of coffee. The purpose of the church has got to be being Holy Spirit empowered to be launched out and outwork the ministry of Jesus. I think to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in the church, we need to understand the role of Holy Spirit in Christ. Because if Christ is the head and we are the body, we need to see what was the role of Holy Spirit on Jesus because that will tell us a lot more about the role of Holy Spirit upon us as the ecclesia, the church. Uh, Jesus um, has it recorded all four times in the Gospels. All four Gospels record the story of Jesus' Holy Spirit baptism moment. Luke uh, summarizes it this way in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. He says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. This is baptized in water. John the Baptist was baptizing him. And while he prayed, the heavens opened and the Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. How cool is that moment? Jesus, being God, was born as a man. Uh, He denied his divinity to take on the form of humanity and came to earth as a human being, as you and I. But we see here that something significant happens at his baptism in the Jordan. Not just his water baptism, we see that there is an additional outpouring. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that actually launches Jesus forward, upward, and onward into his ministry to fulfill his mandate from Father. We see from this moment he goes on to work miracles. 
It doesn't actually say that Jesus worked any miracles prior to this moment. There was something about Holy Spirit baptism that endowed him with supernatural power to work out miracles, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to raise the dead. Ultimately, this power testified and confirmed that he was who he said he was, the Messiah. Up until this time, there were many people that were claiming to be the Messiah. The Jews, as, a, as an entire generation, were eagerly awaiting the coming of the Messiah. And up until this point, there were a number of people that called themselves the Messiah. Jesus was not the first one to do that. But the thing that marked Jesus different to every other so-called Messiah was this power, this wonder-working dunamis power that came from his Holy Spirit baptism. And so it's important to note that everything that we see Jesus doing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is what we see these apostles, disciples, go on to do in the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. It's so exciting that the same power that fell upon Jesus at his baptism moment is the same power that fell upon these 120 and ultimately the other 3,000 in Acts chapter 2. It's the same baptism of the Holy Spirit, except now it was available for all flesh. And we're going to cover this a little bit more next week. But the important thing to note is that when we see Jesus working miracles, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see the disciples in Acts and the rest of the New Testament. They are working miracles, healing the sick, moving in power, raising the dead, uh, casting out demons. And, and I think we need to understand here that the baptism of the Holy Spirit that happened at the day of Pentecost was simply an empowerment from on high that instead of Jesus, singular, doing all the ministry, we now have the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones filled with the same power going out to outwork the ministry functions of Christ. Perhaps Jesus uh, summarizes his ministry, his mandate best when he quotes Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter 4. It, it, he says, the spirit of the Lord God has come upon me. That is, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has come upon me. Because he has anointed me too. There is an anointing that comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind. Uh, he has set a liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable, favorable year of the Lord. What we see here is there is a spirit anointing. This Holy Spirit baptism empowered Jesus to go out and preach the good news, to heal, to work miracles, to set people free, and to ultimately bring the, the good news of, of restored relationship with Father. I don't know about you, but something stirs in my spirit when I read that mandate, Jesus' 
calling, Jesus' mission. I think that that is what we are called to. We are called to be a blessing to other people. Uh, later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, the Apostle Paul, outlines our mandate. I want to read that to you because I think it has significance to what we're describing here. Uh, starting in 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, And he, Jesus, died for all that those who should live would no longer live for themselves, but for him, Jesus, who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us, the church, you and I, to the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Come on. Paul is telling us straight. He said, hey, you are to no longer live for yourself. You are now a Christ follower. The old creation is gone. You're a new creation. You're not born of the flesh. You're now born again of the Spirit. You're a new creation. You're the ecclesia. You're the called out ones. And now you share in the exact same ministry that Christ had, that is, the ministry of reconciliation. You and I are not ambassadors of ourselves. I am not an ambassador of Church Unlimited. I am not an ambassador of Hensley. I am now an ambassador of Christ, which means that I represent Jesus in how I am to operate in the world around about me. And the reality is we all miss that. We have moments of blunder where we don't always represent Christ uh, very well. Uh, but the goal of us uh, as the ecclesia is to represent Jesus. And so this means that you and I are to share in the ministry of Christ. Our Holy Spirit baptism is to help us fulfill the ministry of, the, of Christ. That as the Spirit-filled body, you and I now get to go out and do all the cool things that we see Jesus did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus even promises us greater things than these will you do. Jesus is telling us that when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, once that day of Pentecost happened, it was on. It was on for young and old. It was on for male and female. It was on for slave and free. We, filled with the Holy Spirit, are now able to go out and outwork the ministry functions of Jesus. And this means that the declaration of Luke chapter 4 needs to be our declaration. I want to read it to you again. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me too. Holy Spirit baptism has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. 
It has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives, anointed me to bring recovery of sight to the blind, anointed me to set at liberty all who are oppressed, and its anointing has come upon me that I would declare the favorable year of the Lord in a world around about us that all they understand is the bad news. This is the purest definition of the church, of a Holy Spirit-baptized church. We are to outwork these incredible mandates. Let's look at it again. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me. He has anointed me to, number one, He has anointed me to preach the good news, to preach the gospel, to preach salvation to the world around me. This means that there is a Holy Spirit anointing. There is power. There is wonder working power that is supposed to be on me as I have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the power of God is going to work with me to testify to the good news of salvation in Jesus. As I mentioned before, Jesus was not the first one to claim to be the Messiah. He was, however, the one to claim to be the Messiah that accompanied powerful works and signs and wonders. The world around us doesn't need more news. We have plenty of news, plenty of bad news, plenty of whatever news. They need the good news, the gospel. And so, <clears throat> and so the Holy Spirit has come upon us to bring this good news, and there would be power that is to accompany us. Check this out. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. He who believes is baptized and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not will be condemned. And then it says in verse 17, and these signs, so there's powerful dunamis, wonder-working signs that are going to accompany those who go out will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so there is dunamis, wonder-working power that's supposed to follow the believer from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here, here's where it gets great. In verse 20, it says, And they, the disciples, went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord was with them, confirming the word, confirming the good news, confirming the, the message of salvation through the accompanying of signs. There is power that comes upon us. We're anointed to work miracles and signs and wonders to testify to the fact that Jesus really is who he says he is. Jesus promises us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There is power that comes from Pentecost. Pentecost fills us with the Holy Spirit and we receive power and we are exploding. You know that the Pentecostal church today globally is the fastest advancing um, uh, section of church in the world. 
as Holy Spirit filled believers understand that there is dunamis wonder working power available that is going to confirm the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are coming to Christ in droves. We need to believe for that. That's how revival happens. Revival happens when you and I, the ecclesia, receive a, a filling, a power from the Holy Spirit to go out and bring the good news of Jesus to the world around about us. Number two, it says there's an anointing from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has anointed Jesus to heal the brokenhearted. Holy Spirit-filled church is supposed to bring healing. In Mark 16, 17, Jesus tells us, and these signs will follow those who believe. And then he says, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I don't know if you're a believer out there. I certainly am. I believe that all believers, you and I, it doesn't say special people, it says believers will have dunamis wonder-working power to bring healing, to lay hands on the sick, and to, be, uh, to bring healing. That might be healing in the physical realm, help bringing healing in people's bodies, casting cancer, bringing healing to, to, to people's bodies. and That might be, be mental healing, bringing healing to people's minds. That might be healing in the area of sexuality. Uh, it might be healing in, in our emotions. You know, some of us carry deep wounds in our hearts, but when we come to Jesus, we can know His healing touch that restores us and redeems us and makes us right again. I was a broken person before I came to Jesus. Jesus has healed my identity. He has healed my self-esteem. He has healed me emotionally and mentally. He has healed me spiritually. We need to believe to be a church that brings healing to our broken world around about us. You and I are ministers of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ, anointed in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to bring healing to our world. Friend, the world desperately needs you and I to put our hand up and say, we will be the body of Christ. We will be the church, outworking the mission and the mandate of Jesus to bring Holy Spirit healing to our world. Number three, the Holy Spirit has anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Wow, that's intense. Uh, liberty to the captives. What does that mean to people who are bound in prisons? I, I think Jesus is quite clearly speaking of those who are possessed by the demonic realm those that are slaves to sin and ultimately slaves to death, slaves to spiritual principalities and powers. I know that before I came to Jesus, I was a slave to all kinds of addictions and all kinds of things, and I was in a prison. And when I came to Christ, I literally had to be delivered of so many things that were holding me back and keeping me from being the man that God had called me to be. Jesus is referring to casting out demons. It's referring to Holy Spirit empowerment. In, in fact, in Mark 16, 17, 
He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. I mean to tell you this, friend, that um, the world doesn't have less demons than it used to. It just has ignorant Christians who aren't even aware that there are demons. We need to open our eyes and come alive. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that we can have the gift, the spiritual gift of discerning spirits. You and I need to have Holy Spirit empowerment so that we can read the supernatural realm and take authority over unclean spirits that would be inhibiting people from coming to Jesus. You and I are to operate in the ministry of deliverance and casting out demons. It's one of the, the, the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit that we could see people delivered and set free from demonic possession. I think that this is something that we have uh, often neglected as the ecclesia. The church has not taken a hard stand over the supernatural. We love to offer self-help programs. We love to, uh, you know, pray kind prayers and, oh, yep, sorry, mate. Sorry you're struggling. I'll be praying for you. We love to throw out our rhetoric, but the church must be Holy Spirit empowered through the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit baptism, to bring deliverance and help people be free in Jesus' name. We must take authority over these unclean spirits that we would see people step forward into their destiny. Uh, number four, it says, and the recovery of sight to the blind. The Spirit has come upon me to help people see. To help blind people see. This could be any number of things. That could be natural sight. Healing to eyes that don't actually see. The Spirit is upon me. The same Spirit that was upon Jesus, He healed the blind all the time. The same power that was on Jesus is upon us. And as we walk in faith and in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we can believe to help people to see in the natural. Maybe it's supernatural. We need to help people to see those people that have been blinded by the things of this world who are not seeing Jesus as clearly as they ought to be. There is an anointing upon us to help people to see. Maybe that's vision for people whose life lacks purpose. One of my jobs as a pastor in our church is to help people see their God-given mission, their God-given purpose, that when you come to Christ, this life is no longer about me. This life is about other people. And I pray that, that, that there is a recovery of sight to your blindedness where we see, wait, God has so much more for me. Maybe this is for Christians who used to be able to see but they don't see anymore. We, we, the recovery of sight. They've been blinded by the things of the world. And so we need to believe to bring sight, vision, back to our world again. When there's no vision, people cast off restraint. No wonder people live in all kinds of disarray. They live that way because they have no vision for what their life is supposed to be like in Jesus. But when you have vision for what your life is going to be like in Jesus, when you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can see in a whole new way. Number five. This one's unusual. He says, 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Okay, just a moment ago, the anointing was to uh, liberate the captives. And now we see here, it's almost like he's saying the same thing again. Uh, It was to bring liberty to the captives, but now it's to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Let me dive into this just a little bit, because I believe that there is definitely meant to be a differentiation between these two points. Uh, I believe that before you come to Christ, you can be filled with all kinds of demons. Um, But once you come to Jesus, I don't believe that a Christian can be possessed. I don't believe that Christians can be possessed by the devil. Uh, I just have seen too many times wherever Jesus shows up, the devil runs and cowers away. The devil cannot stand to be in the presence of Jesus. If you are a a, a Jesus, uh, 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 if you're a Christ follower, then you uh, are not possessed by demons. But Christians can be oppressed by different by demons. There's a difference. There's a difference between those who are possessed and those who are oppressed. Uh, Those who are possessed have demons living within them that are controlling them and leading them into things that they don't have any control over. Those who are oppressed have demons externally that are constantly in their ears trying to influence them. Jesus marks those two as different because not only can we have authority over demons to cast them out and help people to be saved, but we have authority over a demonic oppression over believers. This is what I've come to learn about Satan. Satan is a crafty guy. He is always looking to oppress the believer. Oppression leads to depression, leads to addiction, leads to all kinds of heaviness, Jesus came to bring liberty and freedom and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so the church of Jesus needs to not just deal with demons in in the unbeliever, but it needs to deal with demonic oppression over all believers. That we would see believers set free to run forward into the promises of God. That has been a major part of my story. I have seen God set me free from demonic oppression year after year. I feel like every year I'm shedding off some part of the old life. Every year, I'm yeah, get out of my life, Satan. Oh, I don't need that in there. Oh, I don't need that oppression. The Spirit of God is upon me. He's, he's bringing me to liberty. But the church of Jesus needs to also help people. We, I, think it's, I think it's crazy that we have people that come into church and they stay broken. They stay bound. They, they, yeah, they've got Christ, but they haven't seen God's power liberating them and bringing healing life into their bodies. That is one of the key ministries of the church. Here's the last one. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the year of the Lord's favor. We are no longer in the year of judgment. Through Christ, we are in the year of grace, the year of the good news. This is not the time of bad news. This is the time of good news, that salvation is available for everyone. Holy Spirit baptism is available for everyone. We can be delivered and set free, living in the abundant life that Jesus 
has paid for and called us into. We are no longer alienated or separated from our Father. We can now be restored in right relationship, reconciled back to God through Jesus. The Holy Spirit has anointed us. He's anointed you and I to proclaim this. You are accepted. You belong. He accepts you as you are. Would you just call upon Jesus? And so as men and women filled with the Holy Spirit, together we make up the ecclesia or the church, the body of Christ. Everything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that we see Jesus doing is the mandate that we are to be doing as we live out our lives and outwork the purpose and the ministry and the nature of the church. We are called to bring healing life to others. We must rise above our apathy. We must shake off uh, just, you know, every little distraction, shake off every weapon that's formed against us, and we must press on forward towards the things of God. Uh, last week, if you were watching church, I, I referenced it before, but I, I was probably a little intense. Um, that, that message came out probably 20 degrees hotter than I was expecting it to. Um, uh, I'll be honest with you. There is something stirring in my spirit. I believe that we're on the cusp of revival. And, and we need an awakened church. And so if it seemed like I was angry last week, please know I wasn't angry at anyone. I was, I was just trying to stir us out of what I call the COVID coma. We've got to be careful that with all the coronavirus and, and the social distancing and, and the isolation and and sometimes we can fall into a trap where we allow apathy and lethargy and complacency to get the better of us. And we need to see that the church in the midst of crisis, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of trying to be shut down and quieted, no, the church advanced. And that's what I'm believing for. I'm believing for nothing less than Holy Spirit revival across the Morton region and beyond. Now, more than ever, humanity needs Christ. And they're not going to hear from Christ. They're not going to have a Christ revelation if you and I, the ecclesia, filled with the Holy Spirit and power, don't go out and do our job. And so I really hope that something does get into your spirit and stirs you to believe for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to just fill you afresh. In fact, before we go, I, I just want to pray right now. A fresh anointing, a fresh filling, uh, a, fresh, uh, a fresh grace that you would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Could you lift your hands right where you're at? Unless you're driving, don't lift your hands. But let's lift our hands. Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have called us out. We are called out. I, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. You have called us out. And so, Holy Spirit, we say, fill us afresh. Fill us to overflowing. 
Awaken us. Lord, help us to be more aware, more acutely aware of your presence, more acutely aware of your spirit, more acutely aware of the power, the dunamis wonder-working power that is available to us, the ecclesia, to go out and make up the ministry of Christ. God, I speak right now anointing and blessing over every person watching. I thank you for Holy Spirit baptism, which empowers us and anoints us to preach the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted and to bring healing. Lord, to set at liberty those in captivity, to open the blind eyes of those in the world, to set free the believer and bring him into a place of new freedom and healing and life in Jesus' name. We receive that anointing. We receive the anointing to declare that this is the year of your favor and your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I thank you for a Holy Spirit-powered church. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, just a minute ago, I was talking about the year of the Lord's favor. I'm aware that there might be people that are watching, and, and you might not actually be in right relationship with God. Can I tell you something? God is not angry with you. God is not disappointed of you. He's not ashamed of you. God is open-armed towards you, waiting to embrace you. He's got nothing but goodness and favor for your life. Uh, the way that we access that, the way that we get back into right relationship with God is by surrender. By yielding our lives and surrendering ourselves unto God's ways. And I wonder if you're watching today, maybe you're watching and, and you would say, you know what, James, I, I am not close to God. I am not in right relationship with God. I actually don't think you need a preacher to tell you where you stand with God. I think most people know in their own heart if they would take just a moment to examine their own hearts. Maybe that's you today and you're watching and you're saying, you know what, James, I, I'm not in right relationship with God and I need to be. If that's you, I'd love to lead you in a powerful prayer. It's a, it's a short prayer, but it's a powerful prayer that just simply invites Jesus into your life. It asks him to forgive you of your sins and bring you into new life. And I just would love the opportunity before we go to pray with those people that would be saying, James, I know I'm not right with God and I need to do business with God today. If that's you, would you just pray with me real quick? Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. You proved it when you went to the cross and died in my place. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me from all of my shame. Shake off every weapon that has been formed against me. And help me to live in the new life that you have called me into. Amen. Jesus, right now, for anybody who prayed that prayer, anybody who has felt distant from you, 
God, I thank you that your spirit, your Holy Spirit is actually always drawing us back to you. I ask you right now that your power, your love, your grace, your presence would fill their room right now and that they would know that you are more than a storybook character, that you are more than a figment of our imagination, that you really are who you say you are. God, we just speak your blessing and your love and your grace over everyone viewing this, whatever time of the day, whatever day of the week it is, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of things to close with. Um, Next Sunday, I'm going to be carrying on with part four of our Pentecost series. I'm going to be talking specifically about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what that means for you and I. If you and I are the ecclesia and the church is supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then you and I as believers must be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to talk in depth and in detail about what that looks like for you and I, the believer. And then in part five, uh, which is in two weeks time, we're going to be talking about the hot topic of speaking in tongues. Should you do it in church? Uh, Do you have to speak in tongues? Uh, If you're filled with the Holy Spirit um, and you don't speak in tongues, what's with that? And we'll, we'll, we'll dive into some of that kind of stuff. I think it will be interesting. I think it will be informative. And hopefully, it will be empowering and inspiring. Take a moment. And uh, uh, we, we've sent out an email to all of the people in our church uh, to let us know which of the four services your family is likely to attend. Please, please go find your emails right now click the link, answer that very short survey. Let us know, do you want to come to the 9 o'clock, the 11 o'clock, the 4 o'clock, or the 6 o'clock? We need to make room for families in our church, and we need you to let us know how that's going to look for you and your family. So please help us. We're trying to make this as easy as we possibly can for everybody. Before you go, click the Say Hello button on our website. We would love to hear from you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed in the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you join us for Sunday worship.